Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm supposed to take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value came giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to hate it. I run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. Episode 368 today with Tiffany Justice from Moms for Liberty. If you're not aware of who she is, you've seen her on Joy Read. We commented on it. I want to say a couple weeks ago, we'll show the clip here in a minute as well when we get started, where they were going back and forth, and the debate was over what is wrong with a child book in schools talking about dildos. And Joy was talking about what's wrong with that, and Tiffany, as a mother of four, saying, I think there's a problem with that, and we shouldn't even sit there and talk about whether I know the guy's name or not the guy that wrote the book that had a tough life. So here's what I did to prepare for this. I went ahead and got a list of the books that uh, uh, many of these schools are recommending for their kids, the students, and I bought them. I called Barnes & Noble locally yesterday. Before we get into it, I'll properly introduce our guest as well. Gender Queer, a memoir. I called Barnes & Noble. I said, do you have this book? Oh, my God, it's a favorite. Great. Please put one on hold. No problem. Do you have the book, All Boys Aren't Blue? I bought every single one of these books, and she said, so many of these books were sold out because going back to school, you're so lucky to get a copy of them. I'm like, fantastic. I sent Mickey. Mickey went and picked it up. We didn't tell Mickey what book she's picking up. And then afterwards, she says, now I know why you don't want to go pick up these books. I'm like, I would have gone, but at the same time, it's much better for Mickey to go to pick up the books than me. So if you're a parent, you're watching this, you got kids, you're sick of it, a lot of stuff was escalating uh, specifically during COVID, which shut down, kids staying home. That's how these guys got started in 2021. I want to say January of 2021 when they started with a couple co-founders and they grew it from what it was to now having 300 chapters in 48 states with 120,000 members. And she was formerly a, a school district, uh, uh, stepped up at, to serve four years on the school district of Indian River County in Florida and then said, I'm going to step away to do this. We got a lot of things to talk about. With that being said, Tiffany, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. So, you know, I, I want to start off with the joy read. Let's just get it out so everybody knows who you are, because some people who uh, maybe watch the content for other reasons may not know. But I want I want I want the audience to see this clip, Rob, if you can pull it up. And uh, uh, yeah, if you can just is this the specific part that we're talking about, right? This is where they're discussing context and the... Perfect. That's the one. Go ahead and play this clip. Everybody, pay attention to this. I'm assuming you have common sense, you have logic, the the folks who watch this content. Whether you agree with us or not, and if you're a parent, tell me you're comfortable with this exchange. Go ahead. You can do keyword searches and find certain keywords. Like rape? You can find key... Yeah, or anal rape or dildo. You can find all sorts of keywords. Those types of words. Wait, hold on, wait, wait. Let me finish my question. Then you can answer. I'm going to give you time to answer, but I got to ask you first. No, yeah, I got And so what you find is the keywords that you find, the Uh N-word, anything, words like you just used. I don't think this is it, you get out of... I think this is later because you have... There's one, if you go on Twitter, where she's asking right off the bat, where the exchange is about... uh, um, the exchange is about, let me see if I can find it, um, uh, Moms for Liberty. The exchange is specifically about, you click on that, see what it is, where right off the bat it's like, uh, you mean to tell me, have you read this book? You think it's okay to have this book? See if it's talking about there in the corner with the content. Play this to see what this is, how it starts. Joy. Here's my We're question. talking about Here's strap- my question. You didn't answer my no, no, question. No, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer Great. your question. Great. I would love to hear that. Absolutely. Well, I, you, I'm interviewing you and you're not interviewing me. So let's just make sure it's a conversation. Okay. okay great. So what I'm saying to you is that as you are not an expert 
in this book. I don't or have to be an expert no, 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 to know that aren't one appropriate moment, for public school. I mean, this come on, let's book. get real. No play. Is that it? it? That was it. So you're, you're seeing this exchange while you're sitting there and she's trying to logically argue that what's wrong with dildos being in a book and, you know, let the parents decide. If you don't want it, go ahead and, you know, sign this and say, I don't want my kids to have access to this. What are you thinking at that moment when you're talking to Jory? Do you sit there and say, she can't believe this because she's got kids herself, right? What do you, what's going through your mind during that moment? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of a lot of things. First of all, I knew it wasn't an honest conversation, right? It felt like a fencing match more than anything. So there were a lot of different things going through my head yeah. about, you know, how to engage with her. Um, previously, I had said to her, like, explain to me the context. I think that was the clip you were talking about. Explain to me the context around the strap-on dildo that makes it acceptable for public school. And she couldn't answer that. She refused to answer it the entire time we were having the conversation. So, yeah, I mean, what you really want to ask Joy is, Joy, you're going to read this to your kids? It's at bedtime. You're going to open up the book and talk about how the young man and all the boys aren't blue was anally raped by an adult family member as a child. You know, no, of course not. She's not. No one's reading that to their kid at bedtime. So it's a disingenuous conversation. I told her that when we were talking about it. But, you know, I was again, I was happy she had me on. It was an incredible opportunity to be able to, you know, engage on this issue in a way where people could really see how how, you know, what a horrible argument they have. Yeah. So, so first of all, why don't we go back to, you know, you starting this company for some of the, you know, you and yourself and the two founders that started it motive. What was it? Was it a call? Was it a tipping point? Was there one thing event that took place where you said, you know what? This is too much, and we got to do something about it. When did that happen? So there are two co-founders, me and then Tina Deskovich. And Tina served in Brevard County, Florida. I served in Indian River County. So just a few hours north of here. Um, We served on school board. We saw some of the ideology creeping in. I'll be honest. I think, um, especially my county, a bit of a bubble. Um, So a lot of the ideology that, you know, you're seeing around the country um, wasn't in our school system at that point. It it certainly is now. Um, But during covid there was just, I mean, it was the obliteration of parental rights. It was shocking to me. You'd have parents coming to the podium, Patrick, talking about masks were hurting their child. Tina remembers a story about a mom coming to the podium and speaking to the school board and saying, my daughter's deaf. She um, has trouble seeing out of one of her eyes. She's being forced to wear a mask. I have a mask exemption. You're not letting my child use the mask exemption. And when she wears her glasses and the mask, you know, if you wear glasses, your glasses fog. And so now she can't hear, she can't read lips, and she's having trouble seeing out of the one good eye she has. This sounds, I mean, it's shocking. And the school system was like, sorry, no mask exemption. And so a a system that normally is about making accommodations for kids, right? Because you have four kids, every child is totally different Mm -hmm. um, and they need different accommodations. So a system that used to do that uh, and try to do it well had totally thrown that out the window and, and just... Really, elected officials abdicated their authority to bureaucrats. That's what I saw time and time again. And so we saw parents coming to the podium and they were upset and they didn't know how to advocate. They were um, yelling. They were getting frustrated. Their mics were getting cut off across the country. They didn't know who held the levers of power in order to make change happen, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Someone would say, I'm going to report you to the county commission. Well, in Florida, the county commission has nothing to do with the school board. And so we knew that parents needed a roadmap on how to be effective advocates. And Tina and I were prepared, you know, through by the grace of God in our time on school board to be able to show parents how to fight back. And was there a tipping point where it was kind of because some of this stuff, it seems like it just happened suddenly in the last four years. Pr- prior to that, 
I mean, I remember living in L.A. and, you know, Prop 8 or whatever that was going through. Hey, here's what they're going to be doing. And gay marriage is going through this. And, you know, you saw President Bill Clinton marriages between men and women. And then afterwards, you know, you get to choose who you want to marry. So it's been a gradual evolution that's been taking place the last 30 years. But it's been gradual. All of a sudden, it's like, boom, in your face. Nope. Here's what we want, you know, the kids to go through. Was there a tipping point of that taking place? For, for us, for starting Moms for Liberty or just in general? Period, in America. Yeah, that's really interesting. I was talking to someone about um, about MTV Awards, um, the last MTV Awards. There was like a lot of Satan stuff happening, right? And you've got a lot of cross-dressing. And I said, I remember when I was uh, little and I would watch MTV Awards in high school, my parents would be like, why do you watch this garbage? Look at this, right? And so, I, you know, you try to step back as a parent and say, am I overreacting? Is this just, you know, getting older? Or has this been a slow boil? It's been a slow boil, I think, because now we've reached the point where we have adults who are talking about taxpayers needing to pay for this ridiculous graphic sexual content in schools. We're seeing, you know, I hope we get to talk about today just the destabilization of kids in school through social emotional learning and gender ideology being stuck into kindergarten classrooms. And so I think it's just been um, education is a captured institution and it's just taken a period of time for us to get to this point where now everyone really sees it and the left is fully operational. Um, and uh, that means that we get to see all of the things that they're doing very clearly. As a parent that's listening to this, you know, who feels helpless, right? You're like, hey, I don't have money to put into put my kids into private school. I don't have the ability to do homeschooling because I need my income and her income. So we're both working. I can't take the kids out. So I can't do homeschooling. I can't do private school. What can I do to fight against the stuff that's being fed to my kids when they're coming home? I feel kind of helpless. What do, you, what do you say to those parents? What can they do? Parents have the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their children. That means the government doesn't give you that right, and they can't take that right away. And so you have the right to know what your children are being taught in school before they're being taught what that information, right? You have the right to direct their education. And you can't direct something if you're constantly reacting to it. And that's why we fight so hard for transparency. So what can parents do? They can get involved. They can ask to be able to see what their children are being taught in school. They need to build a relationship with their child's teacher right off the bat. Hi, my name is Patrick. My son, David, is going to be in your class today, this year. You know, I'd like to talk to you about how you feel about some different issues, how you approach different issues in the classroom. The, the best thing that parents can do is build relationships with their teacher, with their school principal, with their superintendent. And that's why Moms for Liberty was really created, because, again, we want parents to be effective advocates. Going and yelling isn't going to get you what you want. You have to learn how the system works and then how to engage with that system. So how does the system work? Well, the system, uh, uh, unions have an undue influence on your kids' education in public schools right now. And so the system is really broken. Um, How does the system work? The system protects the system. Uh, School systems do two things well, public school systems. They protect themselves and they celebrate themselves. And they often celebrate themselves to protect themselves. They're they're known for being the largest union, right? I mean, they got, I don't know how many exact members they have, but that is probably, you know, one of the most powerful political organizations today in America where, you know, once, no, that's, that's, that's one of them. Totally, if you go to the entire union, that's just Florida. But if you look at the biggest unions in America, just type in the biggest, largest unions in America, I think it's 3.2 million members, and they're number one. If I'm not mistaken, zoom in right there. National Education Association since 1857, three-plus million members is what they have. This, <laughs> this is a behemoth of an organization. So 
They run the Democrat Party. No question. No they, question. So, so that level of influence, how do you fight against a level of influence that powerful? Well, I mean, it's it's not easy. I'll be honest with you. And, and I don't know that funders on the right really truly understand the amount of money uh, on the left that the unions are able to put into elections. 99% of the donations by unions, the NEA, the AFT, the AFT is part of the AFL-CIO. Um, that's the American Federation of Teachers. That's Randy Weingarten. So NEA, Becky Pringle, AFT, Randy Weingarten. Everybody knows that you, you've seen Randy Weingarten. She was very cozy with Joe Biden. He had his arm mm-hmm. around her, right? They're big, big buddies. Um, they are the foot soldiers of the progressive far left. They make stuff happen. How do you fight against it? You get involved. I mean, Moms for Liberty, we are building a grassroots army. Patrick, that is what we are doing. Every day, it's, it's about decentralized leadership, finding the very best leaders across the country to serve as chapter chairs, and they are building an army of people to fight back and to reclaim our, our public education system. For a long time, the conservative movement has really ignored public schools, and we've ceded the ground to the left. That We focused a lot on school choice, and I believe in school choice. Parents should have the right to choose where their kids go to school, um, and, and we believe in education freedom. But at the same time, there is always going to be a very large percentage of kids in America that are going to public schools, and they are being taught to hate our country and to hate each other right now, and that has to stop. So you recently had a debate with Bill uh, with uh, de Blasio, yeah. right? You guys had a debate. And, and that was, what, an hour and 20-minute debate? How was that experience? Because, you know, there's a lot of videos going around of guys that are TikTokers or YouTubers taking pictures with Bill and saying, hey, you ruined the city, you destroyed the city, you're a piece of this. I mean, they're just not fans of what that guy did. What was that experience of you and him debating for an hour and 20 minutes? Yeah, it was interesting. So it was at the Orlando Public Library, a group called Incubate Debate. James Fishback, he's great. He's been helping high school students to bring debate back, honest debate back. Um, Conservative uh, positions in debate are being totally uh, squashed in in high school debate. Um, And so he asked me if I'd come debate Bill. I was happy to go do that. Um, It was an interesting experience. We started off, he came up to me and he said, "Uh, wow, you're tall. And I said, "Uh, you're tall too, Bill. And he said, well, I think we'll be able to find some things to agree on. And I said, well, great. I said, like, what is a woman? And you can see at the beginning of the, the uh, clip of the, the video, he goes, ah, oh, Tiffany, 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 you're starting already. And I said, I'm just getting warmed up. Right? <laughs> and, cool. and then we sat down. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, you know, you have some of the books. There's a book called um, This Book is Gay that shows, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm allowed to say on your show. Am I, am I you pretty good? Yeah. All right. So there's a book that shows how to give hand jobs and blow jobs and tells, you know, don't use your teeth and how to use two hands. And I, I, I don't think you, um, yeah, you might have it. I, right yeah. You might, it might be in here. Um, and, or actually, the book I'm talking about is Let's Talk About It. Um, but there's some really interesting things in here as well. And so I showed him the book. And there are these pictures of drawn penises and, and hand jobs. And I was saying, you know, Bill, here, look at it. Hold it. Like, this is what we're talking about. Let's have an honest conversation. And he wouldn't even touch the book, wouldn't even look Why at it. Why wouldn't you touch the book? Or- I don't I mean, I think, I, I think it's just much easier to pretend like it isn't happening if you're not actually holding the book and looking at the pictures. Rob, can you pull up one of the things you, uh, you, you have here on the excer- excerpts on... Um, uh, this book is gay. Can you pull this up? I think it's the third one that you have right there. Is this the one that we were talking about? Go up a little bit. Uh, right there. Zoom in a little bit. Mm. That one, this is perhaps the most important skill. This is the, written by transgender author Juno. It's marketed as a best-selling exploration of sexuality and gender for young adults. Dawson writes in one of the chapters, perhaps the most important skill set to master as a gay or bi man is a classic timeless, the hand job, right? And then it continues talking about 
you know, what you do to finish off your partner. Being on the bottom makes a dude less manly than his partner. He is literally taking it like a man. Like, this, this book is in schools. This, this book right here is banned apparently only in 15 states. You mean the other 35 states allowed this book to be in their schools? Yeah, taxpayers shouldn't have to pay for leftist propaganda. What's their logic of saying it's okay to have this book in the school? Well, I mean, it, it's really boiling down to what, you know, Bill was saying was that this is a First Amendment issue. He kept saying this is a slippery slope. If you if you take this book out of school, then where do you stop? And, you know, I just when it comes to kids and sexualizing children, that's a hard line. You know, I'm willing to have a conversation, Patrick, about the fact that, yeah, of course, I think, you know, if you start taking everything out of schools, then I think it's important to have an honest conversation about what should be taught, what the standards are, what the curriculum is. And, and we should talk about that. Right. How do we decide? what actually gets taught in school. It turns out it's not, you know, the teacher just doesn't wake up every day and decide what to teach. There's a, a very clear-cut roadmap for teachers, especially in Florida, um, about the standards and the curriculum that's chosen to accompany those standards. But the truth is that this is just nonsense. So, so who was the author, Rob, that they just automatically banned all his books and they were not selling it and it was offensive and this is not appropriate? This was like two, three years ago, four years ago. Who's the most famous author that wrote uh, books for kids and he had a TV show or something? What's his name? Are you talking about J.K. Rowling? Not J.K. Rowling. Okay. I'm talking about he's dead. He's not around. Um, uh, 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 do, do you know which one I'm talking about? Kids books? What's the, you know Dr. his Seuss. name? Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss, right. Yeah. Which books did they ban by Dr. Seuss? And why was it banned? So Dr. Seuss books that were banned. What were the list of books that they're no longer publishing? And they were changing some of them. Here we go. Six Dr. Seuss books won't be published for racist images is the reason, okay? So Dr. Seuss, who helped raise a lot of kids, okay, he was loved, he did great things. They're worried because of a couple, these are the titles, right? And to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street or if I ran the zoo or Michael, uh, uh, On Beyond Zebra, whatever these names of these books are, these were banned because they're somewhat offensive today. But no, 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 it's totally okay to have a book teaching other boys how to give hand jobs. And, and by the way, it doesn't stop there. These books continue. I have another one that says All Boys Aren't Blue. Uh, 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 that's, that's the stuff that they say in this book, which is ridiculous. Can you tell the story about All Boys Aren't Blue? I think this is the one that you were talking about with uh, Joy Reid. Yeah, I, I can. And, and so in this book, there's a young man. And uh, it's called a, a memoir manifesto. And um, yep, absolutely. And so uh, it, this young man uh, is uh, anally raped by his adult cousin, I believe. And so, I mean, there's a passage. You know, we, we just recorded 60 Minutes. Here's the problem. I've done CBS Sunday Morning. We've been on Cuomo's show. We just recorded 60 Minutes. And we show them the pictures in the books. What do I tell you? Um, they don't show. They won't show the pictures. CBS Sunday Morning. Martha Teichner. I mean, we showed her the books. My PR person was there with me. That helps me. And she was saying, Martha, look, look at the content. And and yet, when the the air, show airs, they don't show the actual subject matter that we're talking about. And so. In this book, this man is anally raped. Um, he goes into very, very graphic detail about the experiences. And then Joy said to me in the interview, she said, well, what if a child, a parent wants that child to read that book? Maybe we could show that clip because, you know. That's the clip I was looking for, Rob. It's not 19 seconds, Rob. It's, it's uh, I just watched it this morning. Can you play this clip to see if this is it? 
other moms for yeah. liberty advocates have to decide that a book, an award-winning book like All Boys Aren't Blue, isn't oh. appropriate for students to read. What, what is a, your expertise? What a tragic story of a young man who's anally raped by his adult family member. So mm -hmm. you have incest, rape, pedophilia. Joy, you said you'd let me answer, so sure. I'm going to answer Please for do. you. Um, in what context is a strap-on dildo acceptable for public school? Just let, I mean, that's my question mm -hmm. to you. Tell me what the context around the strap-on dildo or the rape of a minor child by a teacher. Hold on a second. No, no, no. no. no wait, We're hold talking on. about no, public no, no. school. One, one moment. All right. So now you've asked me a question. Sure. I'm going to answer it. Okay. Well, who is the main character? What's the name of the main character oh in All Boys God. and Art Blue? You're asking me right now. You just gave me very specific information about this book, so you're presenting yourself as somebody expert. It's the gentleman. Hold on. The main, to, who's the main character in the, the book? The main character is the author. Who's the, what's his name? George, I believe, is his first because name. Because you're giving me very specific information that is. You're asking me to remember the name of an author. You the just name remembered of the author very specific name. Joy. Here's my You're talking about Here's track. My question. You didn't answer my no, question. No, no, no. I'm going to. I'm going to answer. Great. Your question. I would love to hear that. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm interviewing you, and you're not interviewing me. So let's just make sure it's a conversation. Okay. Great. Okay, what I'm saying to you is that as you are not an expert in this book, oh, I don't have to be an expert. No, 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 hold on a second. Those aren't One moment. For One moment. I mean, this come on, let's get real. This book is a full context story, as you said, of the author's experience. Why is it your right or a Moms for Liberty activist's right to say that a parent who wants their child to have access to this book, which gives a personal experience of this author? That they, the, why doesn't a liberal parent, for instance, or a parent of an LGBTQ kid, why don't they have a right for their child to just have access to this book? Why is it your right to say they can't? So, again, we're talking about incest, rape, and pedophilia. And Boy, each parent, no, each parent has to decide what is appropriate for their child to read. So I want you to answer. I'm going to ask so you one more a, time. Right. What is your right to tell a parent who wants their child, who might feel seen by this story, why oh don't they gosh. have the right? Why don't they have the right as a parent to say, my child can have access to this book? If a child feels seen by this story, that means that they have been uh, the victim of a predator. That means that they have either been raped by a family member, they, they, they've experienced um, And your proof of that is what? You just said that What's if a child feels seen by this story. You're now making assumptions. No, about a, no, no, but if a child has an, been raped, we should do a lot better than put a book now, on a She didn't like that. <laughs> not only, no, but the average parent, so a person that doesn't have kids, they're going to be like, Joey's making a great point. He ain't got kids. A person, person who's got kids who maybe even as a liberal, like, look, I don't have a problem if my kid wants to go through this later on in life when they're an adult. But as a kid, why would I want to influence them to go through this themselves? Why would I want to do that? The lot, there's a lot, it's lacking logic in the argument. It's just being more tolerant to say what's wrong with having that being available for kids. Somebody wants to go buy that Barnes and Noble, go for it. I don't have a problem with that. It's the kids that becomes the issue with the parents. Yeah. And that's been the thing. What you just said was a hundred percent correct. Write the book, print the book, Publish the book. Sell the book. Sell it at Barnes & Noble. Put it in the public library. If your community and your library board wants to pay for these books, put them in there. But it, we're talking about a public school library. The second thing is, Patrick, I've spoken to people about the fact, what if you did have a child? 
who had been the victim of sexual assault by an adult in a classroom. And these issues are being brought up and discussed or, or they're, they're coming across a book in a library. That could be very triggering for that child. And, and so this idea that somehow, you know, we're helping a kid by throwing a book on a library shelf and hoping um, that they're going to stumble across it and, and that it's going to be useful to them. I mean, if we have an epidemic of kids being sexually assaulted by adults in the United States of America, we need to do a lot better than, you know, throwing library books on shelves and hoping kids come across them. So what, what argument are they making that's resonating? Like what are because I want to know how they're winning and making progress. What argument do they make that's uh, uh, becoming more and more, you know, continuous by others to say this is why they have the right argument and you guys are wrong? It's being used as a political bludgeon. Just the idea of book banning, I think it's a, a fear-mongering Newsom keeps tactic. using that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Biden did in his first campaign video, we're going to you know, be against the MAGA book banners. Like, no one's banning books. Honestly, we're talking about sexualizing kids, and we're also talking about content in public libraries, public school libraries, excuse me. There's only so much money and so much space. So when we're talking about public school libraries, no one's having a conversation about what books should be there, what books are enriching the, the you know, exp- learning experience of the student or an extension of the curriculum. So in Public schools, you have standards. We'll talk about Florida for a moment. And, and there are, the standards are a roadmap. Here is what should be taught in this grade, um, in this year, and here is the sequence uh, that it should be taught in. And then there's curriculum. And as a parent, you can be on like a textbook adoption committee, an instructional materials adoption committee, where you can have your voice heard. Other community members can. Teachers have their voice heard as well. And they adopt curriculum. That happens every few years. Different curriculum is adopted. So, you know, it's not like a free-for-all in the classroom. There's not academic freedom in K-12 through public schools where teachers can just talk about whatever they want anytime they want. There's a roadmap to what should be taught. None of these books are aligned with that roadmap. And, you know, again, when we talk about books in the schools, there's an argument to be made. Um, how old are your kids? 12, 10, 7, 2. Okay, mine are 19, 16, 14, and 12. What the 12-year-old does is different than what the 19-year-old no does. No question. Right? And so in high school, can we have a conversation about what books might be appropriate for grades 10, 11, 12 that Possibly. might not be appropriate? Yeah. Sure. Um, let's have that yeah. conversation, right? But again, that's an issue of local control. And so it's just, a, again, a disingenuous argument. What's their argument? It's fear-mongering. Um, kids don't have unfettered access to the internet at school. You can't just go and type up, you know, how to give a blowjob or how to build a bomb or how to do coke. You can't just go and search for these things in school. There are filters on the internet sites. but no Do they actually have them? Filters? Yes. Oh, yeah. You no, can't. no, meaning you can't go search how to give a block. You can't do that in No, schools. it'll block you. It won't allow you to go on, an, on well, the internet why, and search though? for certain Why things. do they block well, it? That's my question. Why do they not? Why would they not want children to have access to that content? And then why is it somehow different when it's in a book versus on the internet? What's their answer when you ask them that? There's no answer. There's no answer. I mean, we're right. <laughs> so they have no answer well, to what it. Well, what do they spend? How do they spend that? It's not been answered for me. Joy wouldn't answer it. De Blasio wouldn't answer <clears throat> it. It's just a, they just do a pivot on the issue and say, this is, you know, this is, a, 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 this is dangerous for democracy. And we can't, you know, no. It is not dangerous to uh, recognize that children do not need sexualized content. Is, is there a pattern on the people that are being involved in uh, imposing these policies, meaning the the individuals that are pushing this stuff is there a pattern are they married do they have kids are they single uh, uh are they all from the left uh, is there a pattern to uh, uh, use analytics to look at and say who is really pushing this on the back and of course we know where the money's coming from and what the involvement where the soros and how much money he's funding with different organizations we know the names that are behind but is there a pattern on 
who is endorsing and supporting this message? Yes, it's the left. It is the left. It is. I mean, the issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. So it doesn't really matter what issue that we're dealing with, whether it's the sexualization of children, whether it's critical race theory and the division being sown in the classrooms. In that respect, it, it is always about destabilization of the family unit and about driving a wedge between the parent and the child. That relationship that you have with your children, raising your children with your values, your traditions, is a threat to the left being able to transform our country. And and so, you know, that is that is what we continually see. Um, you know, I, I when I we did this uh, CBS Sunday Morning, they had a teacher that they interviewed um, who now works for the New York Public Library. She had a, uh, a teach shirt, and it said, "Education is activism." And so what we know is that parents' expectations for public school. When you send your kids to school, I do. What do you want your kids to learn? Math. History, right. you know, reading, uh, you know, reading, things like that. Yeah. How to share. Right. right. You're, you're comfortable with those types of values. Right. Be kind to other people. Sure. Be generous. Um, but the goal of public education has changed. It is not about giving children practicable skills. It is about awakening a critical consciousness in the child, making them a little social justice warrior. This is why um, in Rhode Island, uh, Tiara Mack, you, you remember Tiara Mack, the one who did the twerking on her hands? Mm-hmm. Yep, lovely. Mm-hmm. So they've got like 7% of kids reading on grade level in Rhode Island in fourth grade. Seven percent. But when Uvalde shooting happened, Tiara was able to get those kids out on the steps of the state capitol covered in fake blood. Right. Because they know how to be activists. They're being trained to be activists. Well, I mean, that they're going to lose there because if if you can't show results academically and you're taking a hit there, but you're pushing this agenda, you're going to lose long term if that's what's going to happen. However, I'm trying to more look at the folks who have kids who are supporting this, wondering what part of this logically makes sense if you're OK with the books being there, yet you're not okay with the internet being there, you know, where I can search the same exact thing. There's got to be a reason why there's the filter, but not the books. And then the states, is it eventually, are we going to get to a point, because you're, you're doing all of this stuff while you're in Florida. It's very bad in LA. It's very bad in We're California. We're all over the country. But I'm saying yeah. yourself or with your kids. So if you're living in Florida, you got a governor like DeSantis. That's right. He's easier. A lot of people are moving here, right? But in some of these other places in California, I mean, I know... The ladies in Glendo, Unified School District, they were fighting hardcore against it. There's a bunch of them in California that are doing it. What do you tell those guys? As you know, you're the founder of the organization, one of the founders of the organization. What do you tell those parents in blue states? I'm gonna, it's not about blue state, red state, purple state. I don't care what color your state is. The institution of education is captured. It's happening here, Patrick. Your kids are not safe in Florida schools right now. As, as much as Governor DeSantis is doing and the legislature is doing with different bills and, that we're passing, the institution of education is captured. So you have ideologues, not every teacher. We love teachers, first of all. I think there are a lot of teachers who are scared to speak up about this. The union is very powerful. I remember watching a teacher speak at a, at a podium at a school board meeting saying that she was very concerned about some of the things that she was happening. When she went back to her seat, another union member all dressed in red, always in red, went like this to her. I mean, it is no joke. Are you joke. kidding me? No, I am not. Is that kidding. video public? Oh, no, I was sitting in the audience. It was a, we were sitting in the audience. Went but like it's happening. This? It is happening all over the country. Teachers are scared to go against the union. So, you know, I, I, I think it's important for people to understand that if you're in a red state and, and you think you're safe from this, you're not. 
You have to get your voice heard. You have to step up. That's why we only endorse in school board races. I mean, I'd love to talk to you about how we're set up at Moms for Liberty, the way that the chapters are structured. Tell and us. The advocacy. I'd love to know. Okay, great. So we started with two chapters. Okay. And now we have over 300 chapters in 48 states with over 120,000 members. Uh, so a true grassroots army. There's a chair, a vice chair, a secretary, a treasurer, and then they have a membership uh, of the chapter. And we only, again, endorse in school board races because we recognize that in any given county, your school board is normally, or your school district, excuse me, is normally the largest employer. That's a big deal. And normally is use, is taking up and using the, the largest amount of money in your county, right? The, the largest amount of the taxpayer money is being spent on schools. In fact, in Florida, 50% of your ad valorem taxes go to your public school system. Um, so uh, we know that the focus needs to happen in every backyard in America. And if people know who they're voting for for school board, when they go to vote at the ballot box, they're voting up ballot. They're going to know who they're voting for for House and for Senate and for Congress. They are going to know who is in charge and who is going to stand for parental rights. And so that's why the focus on school board. What's the most important position locally? What's the most important? School board, 100% school board. And it's been so ignored. I mean, the unions have been running school board elections for years. And so when I was on school board, I would watch. The union would have people on the school board, and then they would be at the bargaining table as well. They're just bargaining against each other. And it's all about adult wants and not about kids' needs. Unpack that. Well, so is your kid eating lunch at 930 in the morning? You know, you've got little kids. So if they eat breakfast at home and then they go to school and they eat lunch at 930 in the morning, by 12 o'clock, they're going to be pretty hungry. One o'clock, right? Um, But they're probably eating lunch because the bargaining contract says that they have to. Um, We had early release days that were once a month every Wednesday where kids would get out at 12 o'clock and uh, it wasn't working for parents. What are parents supposed to do once a month on a Wednesday to have their kids be released? early. The union knew that it was something that the parents didn't like, and they used it as a bargaining chip. Um, New York City public schools. Right now, you can't go to back to school night in person or to meet your teacher night in person because it's in the bargaining contract. The union actually put in the bargaining contract that parents can't come into schools in person for, for back to school night. Like, why? What, what is going on? And then when you look at the unions and their, uh, their summer, um, if you could pull up the, the union's... Um, Uh, agenda for their summer meetings. They talk about abortion. They talk about foreign aid in Ukraine. They talk about all these different things. Guess what they don't talk about? Hmm. Kids' educations. So I don't have a problem with with unions in general. I understand, you know, if if workers want to come together and advocate for, you know, good wages and all of those things. The problem with the teachers' unions are that they pretend like they are um, representing families and kids. They pretend like they have the kids' best interests at heart, and that's just not true. And so I continue, I've, I wanted to debate Randy Weingarten. I continue to ask her to have a conversation with me. Um, she refuses to. That's actually how I got on Joy Reid. Uh, Joy had said she would moderate a debate between me and Randy, uh, and Randy wouldn't come. Um, but, you know. Well, she was supposed to be there that day. Yes, yeah, she had been invited, but she said she couldn't make it. She couldn't make it. Now, have you tried to do it at a time where her schedule permits? I will do it at whatever time she would like. Got Ra- it. Randy, if you'd like to debate me, just let me know. Why do you think she won't do it? Do you think she, think she thinks she's above you? You think she thinks she's an elitist, that you're not at her level? Or you think she thinks your argument is ludicrous? Or you think she thinks she knows she's got a terrible argument and she's not going to be able to stand it against you? I think she knows she has a terrible argument. I mean, look what happened during COVID, Patrick. I mean, we've closed schools in some places for two years. We've, we have lost a generation of children. There are kids who still haven't come back to school. 
um, that falls on the union's shoulders. On March 13th, we closed schools in Florida. And then Governor DeSantis on July uh, July 6th said, we're going to open schools in person. And you know what the teachers' unions did? What's that? Sued them to keep schools closed. Wow. That's right. For what? I mean, they they can't think they... Are you thinking the last four years they made more progress or they're getting more exposed? More progress, money. You think they're making more progress? Oh, they've got so much money. They held our kids hostage. They wanted more and more and more money to come back into the classroom. And uh, Who's funding them? Where are they getting their money from? Uh, The government. I'm not talking about the unions. I'm talking, is there any other organizations that are fighting off against you guys that uh, oh, yeah, we can charities, that. nonprofits yeah. that they're getting funded by billionaires? Yeah, they're, the left has 21,000 single-issue organizations that they are continually having a relationship with their voters. So if you think about the way that the left and the right operate, the right has like 4,000, but the left has a continued engagement with voters, right? They're constantly grabbing them on the issues that they care about, and they're building a relationship with them. What is the right do. We get ready for elections, right? Oh, there's an election coming up. Let's get ready for elections. And there's no sustained engagement. So the way that money filters into all of the nonprofits and then the way that the nonprofits are doing their work um, all throughout the year, 24 months a year, someone described it to me like this. If I told you that I would give you uh, 24 months and you got a team of C-grade people, or I gave you 14 months and I gave you a team of A-grade people, who's going to win? Which team do you want? You want more time? thought becomes how you how you fight this right because you say you're this this is the article you were talking about florida's largest teachers union sues the state over reopening schools the state is grappling with a significant surge in corona okay so how much how much money are you guys raising who's supporting you guys like when you guys first got started where did the money come from so I brought you some presents today because we started with selling T-shirts. Um, we started in Tina's back bedroom with $500. We got T-shirts made. They said, we do not co-parent with the government. And uh, I said that to the superintendent when I was on school board. He wanted to start a medical committee, and he was going to have this medical committee make recommendations to the school board. You and I both know that if the experts during COVID told you to do something, you were a murderer, basically, right? I would have been an idiot to go against them. Patrick, I said, why don't we open up the windows on the buses and in the schools to increase ventilation. They laughed at me when I said that. Like, that was a joke. I mean, turns out I wasn't wrong, right? But the, the, the way that we went about doing things during COVID was horribly wrong for kids. God forbid we have another pandemic that actually affects children. The decisions that we made in schools with the masking and all of the things would, would never keep kids safe. And, and that was part of my issue. I felt like we were lying to parents. If you had a child who had some type of immune issue, um, telling them that a mask was going to keep them safe or, or keep them well was a lie. And, and that was a dangerous thing to say to parents. Um, so... Um, you know, we we started with T-shirts and, and sold uh, about $150,000 worth of T-shirts in our first year. That's that's how Moms for Liberty started. Purely off T-shirts. Yeah, we started okay, with Okay, so are these the ones that are being released tomorrow, by the way? Yes, those are, I brought you one of our new T-shirts, We the Parents. We the Parents, Moms for Liberty 2021. That's right. We're going to put the link below. Folks, if you see it right now, the video the video is showing you all the different new merch that they have right here. Uh, uh, if you if you want to support them, place an order. Buy supply from them to support these guys. But 
You're talking about one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Other guys that are out there, what kind of money are they raising on the left? Oh, millions and millions. I mean, you know, so we're we're very lucky that we've had some larger funders that came in. Um, we have small dollar donations, but you know, we're nowhere near funded the way that we could be. I sometimes feel like I am sitting in my driveway in a Ferrari with no money for gas because there are so many things that we should be doing to get people energized to be having that authentic parent to parent communication. Right? Like nothing means more. You. You know, you can pay people to go knock doors and, and go talk to people, but it's not authentic. But if I'm a parent and I say, hi, my name is Tiffany. I live in the neighborhood next door to you. I just wanted to let you know that, you know, these books are in the library or this issue is being discussed in our schools. And we've got this school board member running, Susie, and Susie is going to fight against that. So, you know, can I tell you about Susie and why you should vote for her? That authentic parent to parent engagement is what is going to change the country. We have to create those connections. And so, you know, that's what we're trying to do at Moms for Liberty, really build that grassroots army. Is, is, is donors, is, are donors increasing? Is sales increasing? Are members increasing? Has it flatlined a little bit? What is it like right now? Is the attention more, lower, or the same? Um, I, I think people are waking up. I think they're, re- you know, I think for a long time, donors on the right didn't want to engage in this idea of a culture war. But we are in the middle of a cultural revolution. It has been foisted upon us, and our schools are one of the battlegrounds, and we can ignore it no longer. And so right now, I think funders are beginning to understand the fact that we need to fight in the culture war. You can't win a culture war unless you engage in the culture. You can't just ignore it. Um, but the issue is this. I don't think everyone always completely understands. If you give me a million dollars today, that's worth a lot more to me than $5 million in October. I, I, you have to build the army, right? You think about an election that's happening in November. It takes time uh, to build and to grow. And so, um, no, I, I, I mean, we're, we're in a point right now where I think a lot of funders have been waiting to see what was going to happen with a presidential election. They're about to make some decisions about how they're going to fund different organizations going forward. And, you know, I'm here to tell you, we, again, you know, we have huge plans that we'd like to, to work on, but we need funding. So who, who are some of the bigger names that are supporting you guys? And on top of Moms for Liberty, who else is out there that's doing what you guys are doing? Because it can't just be one. There's got to be a ton of them out there as well. Yeah, well, I wish there were more, to be honest with you. And I wish um, more people were engaging in the grassroots in the way that we are. You know, what we're doing, the work that we're doing is difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's very vulnerable work because you need to get a lot of people together. And people are fallible. You know, I, I was at um, I was speaking at Harvard recently and there was a gentleman for Alliance Defending Freedom. His name is Ryan Bangert. He takes care of their national public policy. And he gave a talk to the students and he said, you know, people are ambersands. And I thought that was a really interesting way to talk about people. He was talking about our founding fathers and just, you know, judging people in history based on, you know, every little flaw versus, you know, everyone has good things and bad things about them. And so when you're building a grassroots army and you're building up leadership, it's difficult work. And um, not everyone is willing or able to engage in that way. Um, I think Tina and I had a certain level of comfortability with it because we were on school board. And when you are on school board, you're representing a school district with lots of teachers and lots of students and stuff. I mean, you've owned a company. Stuff happens, right? People make mistakes and you have to work through those things. Um, the, the thing about moms. You're talking about Bridget? Is that what you're talking about with the... Anything. Yeah. You know, we've had lots of different... How do you handle that happen. with, uh, you know... A chairman of Republican Party, he or Christian, her husband, they get caught with the whole threesome story. And, you know, DeSantis comes out and says, hey, he has to resign right off the bat. 
And yourself, it's one of the co-founders. How do you manage that yourself with the PR side? Yeah, I mean, we just keep moving to, you know, again, we have over 300 chapters in 48 states. So Florida is, you know, one of the states that we work in, but it's not the only state we work in, certainly. And the truth is, Patrick, we have gay members. We have members who have gay kids, who are, you know, children who have grown up who are gay. So, you know, for us, this is about being a parent. When I was on school board, I didn't sit in judgment of parents when they came to the podium. You know, I mean, I didn't say, oh, do you, where did you go to college? Do you have enough money to be able to advocate? You know, do you have a criminal history? Nothing about those things takes away your right. This to is be not a, a Christian organization, right? This no. Is, so it's not like a faith-based organization where you're held to those standards. I, I can see how I saw uh, uh, um, Midas touches, a Media's touch, or whatever their name is. They came after you guys a little bit. I saw Joy Reid brought it up, and I'm watching to see how. Uh, are, is she still part of the organization or she's no longer part of the organization? No, Bridget? well, Bridget was a co-founder and she stayed with us for like the first 17 days. But um, she was never, she, but she had a job and she was still elected and then she chose to take a step back. So, you so know. After 17 days in 01, she stepped away. So she wasn't like a involved day-to-day co-founder. No, no, she wasn't. But to be fair, I love Bridget. She is incredibly smart and funny, and she I've never seen her speak a bad word about anyone. She loves kids, and she really believes in education. She's been on that Sarasota school board for a very long time. Is she time. still involved? Is yeah, she still she's on the still board? on the school so board. So she's not off the board? No, no, no. Okay. And she won't resign. I mean, she's going to do continue to stand up for what she believes in. Moms for Liberty. What we're standing for, parental rights, is such a threat to the left. It's such a threat to communism that they are willing to do or say anything to try to take us down. Yeah, but you also got to be careful to to not make it easier for them, right? Yeah. Because when you take a position like this, uh, uh, like I remember when the whole thing with Jerry Falwell, right? Mm-hmm. When that happened, with his, uh, what is it? His son, right? His son is his uh, uh, son's wife. I don't know. Is it Bridget? I don't know what her name was. I think something like that. What's his wife's name? uh, uh, Becky, Becky. yeah, they had the whole issue with the pool boy and all these stories were coming out. I was like, oh, shoot, you got to step down. And was he from Liberty University? Which one was it that he was? Was it Liberty or Hill? It's Liberty, right, if I'm not mistaken. Now, that's faith-based, so it's very different. But they were able to recover from it. All I'm saying is anything with you, you guys are a massive target. Slightest little thing you do, they're going to come after you and they're going to target you. You you know what's interesting? I saw a video the other day I want to show you. Rob, can you pull up this video of... This, this guy on TikTok, okay, which he looks like a girl if you look at, look at uh, him here. And he's doing this, uh, 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 what do you call it, this uh, 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 whatever you want to call it, where they turn him into a um, hero. And he wants to become a female superhero. But TikTok's algorithms doesn't <laughs> understand. Rob, watch this here. And you got to give him credit because he looks like a girl here. Watch what happens. Go ahead and play this. He's misgendering me. Look. TikTok's misgendering me. <laughs> no. No fucking way. No way. Watch this. Okay, we're going to try this. Hell no. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, let's try again. Look at this. No matter what you do, bro. It's because you're a dude. <laughs> bro. So, I mean, <laughs> to your reaction to that, Rob, you seem to be getting kicked out. Of, you know, you, you see some like this. Even TikTok is part of a, a, a common sense community where the, t- the software can read that this is a, you know, boy, it's not a girl we're talking about. But when, when you see things like this, OK, because these guys have influence over kids. Kids are nowadays on TikTok. 
kids are nowadays, you know, watching what's being said and how it's being done. How much influence do you think these influencers have over kids today over what the union is doing? Meaning, is the danger more the influencers that are LGBTQ on TikTok or is it more the unions and schools that we have? The danger is that in Montgomery County, Maryland, they're teaching kids in in kindergarten, five-year-olds. You could be a boy or you could be a girl or you could be neither. And that is now curriculum, Patrick. And parents are not allowed to opt out of it. So there are two court cases in Montgomery County, Maryland. One is Jane and John Doe. <clears throat> and that case was regarding uh, secret transition uh, happening in schools. And that was dismissed because the court said that, that the parents had no standing because their child had not been transitioned. The parents had come out and said they're concerned. So my analogy is this. Why do you make your kids wear a bike helmet? Safety in case they fall. Do you do it because, but you don't do it because they've already gotten hurt. You know, it's because they could get hurt. Of course. So preventative. Right. So parents don't wait for harm to come to their kids. But right now, as far as our court systems are concerned, your child has to be harmed by these policies before you have standing in a court of law. Get out of here. Nope. 100% true. And in Montgomery on the second case right now, um, their parents wanted to opt their kids out of this curriculum. They said um, there is something called a rainbow storybook collection. As I said, it's part of the curriculum now. So this isn't just sex ed class. This is any time of the day. There's a storybook collection that could be brought into the classroom that the teachers could read from with books like Pride Puppy or uh, My Maddie, which is this, which one of the lines is, when my Maddie kisses me goodbye in the morning, her face is scratchy. And this is being read to five-year-olds. There are a number, a group of parents. It's Beckett Law Group who actually has this case. And we're waiting to hear now what's going to happen with it. But parents are not being allowed to opt out. I did a town hall in Montgomery County, Maryland. We had Muslim parents, the Council of Virtue, this gentleman, Kareem Monib. I had Jewish parents, Bethany uh, Mandel, who's now running for school board in Montgomery County, Maryland. Um, I had Christian parents. There were parents who were atheists. This issue is, is totally bringing parents together. And, and one of the parents said, I feel like my child is being baptized into another religion when they are at school. Oh, I, I think it's fully is a religion. I don't think this is a organization. They're baptizing kids is what they're doing. Let me read this one to you just because of what I want to know is out of the 120,000 members, how many of the members are Muslims? Here why. Here's why. St. Louis Park School District, uh, to allow Muslim families to opt out of LGBTQ reading lessons, so in the district in Minnesota, which we know who's in that district, has allowed to, has decided to allow Muslim families to opt out of LGBTQ reading following requests from six Muslim families asserting that such lessons violate their religion freedoms. The opt-out decision comes after con- concerns arose when third and fourth grade students were exposed to LGBT content in October of 2023, causing significant confusion and distress among families. Renee Carlson, general counsel of True North uh, Legal, emphasized the need to safeguard religious freedoms and collaborated with families and school districts to uphold constitutional rights. Are you noticing Muslim mothers joining you to want to fight the fight as well? Are you seeing a rise with Muslims as well? Yes, we're seeing a rise with all parents joining us across the country. People are very, very concerned. And I would kind of push back about religion. I think woke is a cult. It, it, it is. There is no room for dissent. Uh, people do not like to have their thoughts challenged in any way. They will not challenge their own thoughts in any way. Um, and and there's no room for any questioning of any of it. So, um, but but parents are, are. It's very valid for parents to be concerned about this ideology. But specifically, Muslim is what I want to know. Okay. Because the reason why I'm, I'm asking about Muslims is the, the left doesn't know how to handle Muslims. 
someone explained that to me actually when I was in Michigan. We did a town hall in Troy, Michigan. Um, and, and one of my friends actually who lives in Michigan who used to write for one of the papers there said that the Muslim community in the Dearborn area and other areas will speak out very loudly about this because it's a fairly insular community. And from a business perspective, they don't have a lot of fear of their businesses being hurt um, so that they have a lot of room to be able to advocate. Um, uh, you know, in a lot of areas, people are concerned if they come out and they speak out against this, will they be doxxed in some way called a transphobe or those things? And so, um, yeah, Muslim parents are extremely concerned about this. But I mean, I would say that all parents are concerned about it. And what the judge in that Montgomery case said uh, about the fact that parents weren't allowed to opt out, uh, she said um, that it did not uh, it did not uh, hurt the free religious exercise of the parents for the children to be taught this in school. What, what do you mean by that? The last part? The free religious is that the parents, it, it didn't hurt the parents and their ability to transfer their traditions and, and religious values to the child for the child to be taught competing interests in the classroom. Got it. So, again, I bring up Muslims because Muslims, there's a chart that came out. Uh, uh, we did a video on it. Rob, I don't know if you can pull it up or not. It was a chart that came out saying um, when it comes down to LGBT community, what religion was the lowest supporter of it? And the lowest supporter of it were Muslims. And the chart also, I think it was Gallup, the chart was also about which religion least supported uh, uh members of the gay, uh, uh, you know, LGBTQ community to adopt. Again, it was Muslims at the highest level because that's their, they don't, they don't tolerate that at all, right, when it comes down to that. But I want to be clear, this isn't about sexual orientation. This is about the sexualization of children. Jamie Michelle runs some, uh, a group called Gays Against Groomers. They've been amazing allies. We have for Frank us. Rodriguez on. They're fantastic at yeah. what they do. Yeah. They've been wonderful. They've been wonderful allies standing shoulder to shoulder with us, saying, you know, don't use our sexual orientation or our advocacy for adults to somehow sexualize kids. And that's exactly what is happening in schools. It's destabilizing. I, I, maybe, maybe I'm not communicating my message clearly. I'm trying to get to see if I can do a better job at this. Is if if it's not about the the reason why I keep bringing up Muslims is because the left doesn't know how to handle Muslims. And earlier you said the common trend uh, uh, amongst the people that are trying to indoctrinate kids and support these books are people from the left. The left is walks on eggshells. If you say anything about Muslims, they have no idea on how to handle Muslims. If somebody from the Muslim community goes after what they're doing here, they won't know how to handle that. They don't know how to handle that. They're going to be cornered. So who are some Muslim mothers or spokespeople that are spokesperson that's getting out there saying, we're not for this. This stuff needs to be taken out of school with our kids because their level of influence, I think, can be exponential. Because the left, again, is going to get stuck saying, I don't know how to handle these guys. No, I, I think we need more Muslim mom and dads speaking up, honestly. I mean, if you ask me, I, I mentioned Kareem Onib. Um, he, he's been a huge advocate um, in Montgomery County. Again, his group is Council of Virtue, I believe. Um, and, and, you know, but we need more parents speaking out um, about the concerns that they have and in bringing people together. Again, this is an issue, the, the future of our country, um, you know, protecting our kids, the innocence of our kids in school. Um, this is something that people can come together on. I think that's why the left hates us so much. It's why the SPLC named us a hate group. Because they know, Patrick, what happens if we can bring people together across all of the divides? That's the point. If, yeah. if you're able to bring people together, like I think what Gays for Groomers they're doing, I think it's fantastic. 
the way Frank gets up there and fights the fight, he's phenomenal. And we had him on. We had a great time uh, having a conversation with him. But but also I think uh, Muslims would be another one. Again, gays against groomers, that's confusing. They don't know how to manage that. Muslims, they don't know how to handle that. The more of these guys are getting involved in the community, they're not going to know how to handle it. Because when they look at Moms for Liberty, if somebody doesn't know Moms for Liberty, you know what's the first thing they think about? They think it's a, a Christian Republican organization. That's okay? what the media wants them to think. Of course. But that's what the average person is going to think that they don't know what. And, and that may be right for majority of the members. Let's just say more than 60% are that. Great. But if you had a megaphone of a Muslim mother with a, you know, she's sitting there making the argument, they're, they're going to be, they don't know what to say to that part, okay? Uh, I had a, um, two Muslims here and two Christians here. We came and we debated, and it was a great conversation. It did very well, and the audience was fascinated by it. There are certain things that Muslims will not tolerate, that Christians will. Unfortunately, Christians are, you know, the most uh, uh, tolerant uh, religion on the Christian side. I'm talking non-denominational. I'm not talking LDS. I'm not talking to sects. I'm talking specifically uh, Christians are too, too tolerant about all this stuff. Now they're paying the price. Now you're complaining about it. What were you 30 years ago? The last 30 years, you were very quiet about it. Now you want to be loud where the tipping point is here and it's kind of too late and they've already had been able to infiltrate the different marketplace. You kind of didn't want to be, you know, categorized as something. Now it's too late in certain communities where they have their hands all over it. So, okay. Different question for you. Union, how do you fight against 3.2 million members? There are a lot more parents than there are union members in this country, and it's by rallying parents and, and pulling them together. I mean, most, you know, some of my best material we get from the left. One of the things that's very annoying to me or very concerning to me is how the right will sometimes look at the left and say, oh, well, you know, they've captured the institutions and, and somehow they get villainized for doing what smart things. Right. Credit to them. C- correct. Absolutely. And so, you know, when Tina and I look at how do you build an army, when I looked out at a school, when I would sit on the dais at the school board and I would look at the audience and there would be a vote that would be coming up, the union would come out in mass. They'd have red shirts on and they would have their voices heard. And Patrick, I would watch, I'd go into a meeting and there would be other board members and I would think I would know where we all stood on an issue because we, if it was a bargaining issue or something, there are only a couple, uh, only a couple of meetings that you can get together as school board members and have conversations behind closed doors. But bargaining or litigation, those are two areas. And so I would, you know, have an idea of what I thought school board members were going to do. But having that many people sitting there. And, and, you know, I've had change thrown at me. Uh, But having that many people uh, pressuring you and and paying attention to your vote, it changes people's votes. And so, you know, while the unions were there, guess who wasn't there? Hmm. The parents. And so that's why Moms for Liberty, blue t-shirts, you have to get out there. It's not enough to just get people elected. You then need to be the army on the ground that is there for them and supporting them when they need to make some hard decisions. Otherwise, if you're not having your voice heard, it seems like maybe you don't care. And so we, you know, I have no shame in taking the left's best ideas and then using those. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. I don't think this is an easy fight because if you sit there and you think about the, the organizations uh, the left and the right have, let's just say, and imagine you're at the table. Let's make a visualization. They're negotiating. You got the conservatives on the right and you got the left uh, uh, on the left, okay, they're, they're the liberals on the left. They're sitting there and they're like, okay, um, let's do draft pick. You go first. All right, we'll take the voting block of military veterans. Ah, whatever. <laughs> you can have them. Um, we'll take schools. 
Shit, that was a good one. We should have taken that. Okay, okay. We'll take churches. I don't care. It's fine. Uh, we'll take mainstream media. Oh, shoot. Okay. Uh, what, what, what do we take? I, I don't know what to take next. Don't worry. Take your time. We'll take the next pick. What's your next pick? Um, we'll take universities. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll t- one by one by one by one. We'll take social media companies. All ran by the left except for one, and that guy, we're going to demonize him. You guys are going to forget about him, and we're going to make his life a living kill. By the way, we just converted one of his kids into a trans part of the LGBTQ community. Trust me, we're going to make his life a living kill. We're going to convert one by one. So they have the chips, like you're playing Monopoly, and let's just say there's only 20 properties you can own. They own 17 of them. The right owns three of them. And they've been quietly sitting on the sideline and doing their own thing, thinking John Galt's going to come save them. And Atlas Shrugs going to build a small little community that they're all going to live together. And then now they don't want to put up their monies. My suggestion is, is the following. I think, you know, for those who are sitting there concerned, show up with your money. Show up and support organizations that you believe you know, uh, uh, can do something about it. Yesterday, it's so funny. We're sitting there uh, looking at, uh, talking on uh, fast fashion. I don't know if you're familiar with fast fashion or not. Mm -hmm. Fast fashion is H&M, Zara, you know, Fashion Nova. These are the guys that take a expensive $600 shirt and they build it in, you know, whatever country that, you know, they can work it as a sweatshop and they get kids working at this place and they'll make it for 50 cents and they'll sell it for $17, but it's not going to last a long time. It's horrible. Then the data has come back up and shows in the last 20 years, do you know in the last 20 years, we have 400% more clothes in our wardrobe than we did 20 years ago, 400% more. Okay. And we wear our clothes 36% fewer times than we did 15 years ago. And on top of that, do you know how many pounds of clothes we throw away every year? Crazy stat. 81 and a half pounds of clothes we throw away every flipping year. So guess what? 80% of the stuff in the closet you have, you wasted your money. You're not going to wear it. I do that all the time. I'm like, I'm never going to wear this ever. <laughs> you wear it one time, you wash it, size gets smaller, I can't wear it again. What's the point? Then the conversation came about maybe we ought to support brands that we support, okay? It, that brand, they wear Moms for Liberty. Guess what? What? I'm going to go buy Moms for Liberty shirt because I'm buying stuff that I support. Great. You know, this is what I like what these guys do. Hey, you love your work. It's hard work. We the, we the parents, go for it. I'm going to go buy that shirt. Great. I'm going to support these types of brands. I think more and more people uh, need to get a little bit more vocal on supporting brands out there um, that uh, will make a contribution right after this ourselves as an organization. We'll make a contribution to your organization. But I think starts with that because at the end of the day, what you're doing is tough. It's not an easy job. It's very hard. Um, you're not liked by the unions because you're annoying Good. to them. Okay, <laughs> You annoy them. You make their life a living hell. And I can tell you from the mothers that I spoke to in Glendale, we were looking at doing a podcast a few months ago when the, the issues were very, very hot, is they're not liked. The way they're treated in these, these snobby people are sitting like this and just like, okay, your time's up. Next, get out of here. Boom. It's like almost like the mob. The Italian mob is running it and they control. Even the mobsters were more respectful than what these guys are, the way they're treating their parents. So you don't have an easy job. You're not doing this because you're trying to be a billionaire or millionaire. You're doing this because you got four kids. And That's right. they're between 12 to 19 years old. It's not an easy job to have today. And I applaud you. So for the viewers that are listening, 
I think it's important for us to support as well because the left, if there's one thing they're very good at, they are very, very good at supporting the organizations that are pushing the agendas that they believe in. Oh, my gosh, they're united on it. The one thing about those guys, they're more about their political party first before America. I believe they're more about political party first before America, but they're losing. They're not gaining. They're, they're, they're able to do what they're doing purely through control, but even the people that control don't necessarily agree with what they're doing right now. And they have the government behind them. Uh, to be clear, I think you know, people need to understand this is a global issue as well. UNESCO, the Sustainable Development Goals, Agenda 2030, uh, if you look at those Sustainable Development Goals, the NEA, that union that mm-hmm, you brought up, mm-hmm. they have a curriculum that's a ta- that, that is connected to the, the 17 Sustainable Development Goals that they are pushing into our schools. And so Tina went to, uh, Jordan Peterson had that uh, ARC conference in mm-hmm, London. Mm-hmm. Tina was speaking with, to someone for, in Kenya. They were talking about the comprehensive sexuality education that was happening in Kenya. That's the same comprehensive sexuality education that's happening in America. None of this is a coincidence, Patrick. This is a real effort to destabilize the family and to put the government in place of the family. They want our kids to not be able to read, to write, to do math. They're not concerned about that. Why do you think? Because then they can control the kids. That then they then they are driving a wedge between the parent and the child, and that children will be reliant on the government for everything. You know, part of of the CDC. So you think that's the motive? Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. The, the schools. Think about it. Is there any other? Uh, what if you think about on the grand scale of schools across the United States, government buildings? Let's talk about immigration for a second. What's happening with the schools and illegal immigrants across the country? Eric Adams got up and said, schools are community assets. He said that the day after they had closed that school in Brooklyn and sent all the kids home to do virtual learning so that they could use the schools as a shelter. You remember that? New Hanover County, North Carolina. Our moms in New Hanover stopped a special needs school uh, from being closed and being turned into an illegal immigrant shelter. Oh, yeah, it's happening everywhere. The schools are considered, as Eric Adams said, a community asset, and they think they can do whatever they want with them. But it's backfiring because when he, um, what's the story, Rob, where... um, The luxury apartments that the residents fought back, and so Eric Adams reversed his decision to house the migrants in luxury apartments Mm -hmm. because people in the community need that home, that housing more. Yeah, I just saw that they said something like over 50% of hotels in New York are being used as shelters. Oh, yeah. And and again, but but this is the part, though. So here's my concern. Here's my concern on what I think is going to end up happening. I think what's going to end up happening is uh, bluer states are going to get bluer. Red states are going to get redder. I think that's what's going to happen. So, and and uh, the the race is going to be for the purple states, <laughs> because uh, a person's going to sit there and they're going to be like like uh, uh, that one video that came out where the mother's like, you know, I have a transgender child and I just don't feel safe here because the puberty blockers that he needs, he's suicidal. I feel more safe for having raising my kids in California. Go, go to California, right? But guess what? That's that's just making the disparity between political right. ideology wider and wider and wider and wider. So one is eventually going to get to a point that they're going to be like, dude, you're left, go to these states. You're right, go to these states. Then, then that could even lead to what many people, it'll never happen. Civil war will never happen in America. It's, just, it's never going to happen. That, that, that is just not possible. It's already happening. It's just not a war yet. It's just civil battle. It's civil argument. It's civil debates. It's civil. But eventually, if this, this tension keeps piling up more and more and more, and you're trying to impose 
nonsense, nonsense arguments to people that just want to go out there and work and support their family then take care of their kids, you're going to create a wedge. And, and it, it's already happening. The, yeah. the levels of division that people are having. I was having a conversation with a guy named you know, uh, uh, Andy yesterday. We had a very, very good conversation. And I was telling him that you know, you went on News Nation, I think, with Cuomo, right? You, you talked to him. Chris and I are talking a lot nowadays. It's a very r- weird relationship that we're building. But you know what happens? We'll get on a call and we'll argue for 90 minutes, two hours, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Then it's like, how's the family? Kids, everybody good? Okay, I'll see you next week. I'll see you. All right, sounds good, man. All right, buddy. Take care. We don't have that today. Right. And Moms for Liberty, we're not taking any stars off of the flag. You know, national divorce, there is no future for America in national divorce. But the interesting thing Cuomo said was talking about how much money has left New York, that there are a lot of rich people. It's going to get worse. Yeah. And so what does that mean then? Who's going to who's going to support what's happening in New York in the cities? The rest of America is going to end up picking up the bill for that. And and that's a a real concern. But we're not taking any stars off of the flag. We have chapters in California. California parents are fighting back. New York parents. When we went into New York, I mean, I had that mayor, excuse me, the uh, Manhattan Borough President, Adam Levine, 25 degrees outside, Patrick. I invited him upstairs to be on this panel. We do town halls. Um, They're amazing town halls. I'd love to have you at one sometime. Um, And they're called Giving Parents a Voice. When I bring together elected officials, we'll bring people together who have different opinions about things. I invite him, Adam Levine, to come up. I invited Chancellor Banks, Eric Adams, to come uh, to be a part of this panel to talk about Mm. New York City schools. Can we talk about proficiency rates for a second? Okay, so only about a third of kids in America are reading on grade level. That's according to the NAEP scores, the National Assessment for Educational Progress 2022. 17% of black students, uh, only uh, 21% of Hispanic students, less than half of white students. New York City, only 11% of black wow. students are 6% reading. 6% less than yeah. national average. Only 11%. They spend 40. And the mayor is black. They spend $40,000 per year on each child's education. So if you have, there's an average of 25 kids in a class, that's a million dollars that they are spending every year on a classroom and only 11% of kids can read and they have a cap on charter schools. 23 of the top 25 schools in New York City are charter schools. Why are we blocking education? In Why are they? The unions. The unions. Absolutely. The unions are running our cities. The unions are running our schools and we have to take them out. So when you talk about the money and the membership, we are building an army to combat the unions and parent, we, we the parents, we have the numbers. We just need people to get brave, have their voices heard, and get involved. I mean, that's it. Get off the comfy couch or else I'll see you in the gulag. That's the way I always feel about it. I, you know, I'll have somebody, I'll have a donor say, oh, I want to give you money, but, you know, I'm afraid that, you know, my name might be out there. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll see you in the gulag then because, you know, what, that, that's where we're going to be if people don't get brave now. Now is the time to stand. I truly believe in my heart that we were given an amazing opportunity during COVID to save our country. I call it COVID lemonade. It was awful. I know there were people that died. Um, We handled it horribly as a country. We didn't protect the people that we should have, and, and we closed schools and hurt kids. But Patrick, what an opportunity to pull back the curtain on the corruption. And now we have a chance to save America. And we're going to take every single chance we get. You know, it's, uh, 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 I love that. And by the way, at the end of the day, how are people judged? When I'm talking to Bill Maher and he says uh, Newsom is a winner, and I said, based on what, though? Based on what data? If there is one thing that doesn't lie is numbers. And when numbers show in a city or a state that the way your students are performing 
is absolutely horrendous compared to the national average. You don't have an argument. Very simple. Here's the data for you, buddy. You guys are doing a terrible job. By the way, the, the one question I have for you that I wonder if it's happening or not, or not. Rob, it, do you know what, uh, uh, out of all the industries, so we did a video today that just went live, uh, uh, right when we went live, this video went live on Vitamin. The video is about child care. Let me give you the exact title of it. The child care crisis, why parents uh, uh, are going broke raising their kids, okay? So one of the things that, you know, the child care industry, the profit margins are 1%. They don't make a lot of money. And they're the lowest paid jobs in America, like if you go to school. And on top of that, they're the only job, I believe, that, you know, from four years ago, their salary actually decreased, not increased. It's the only one that the salary decreased. Now, parents are also sitting there. They're like, man, I I can't afford. I got to do something with my kids. They're losing everything they have when it's coming down to, do I put them in private school? Do I do this? Do I do that? I want you to see this chart. So check this out. So this is employment within the U.S. child, uh, uh, within the U.S. child care industry is below its pre-pandemic trend. So if you look at it in 2015, around 880,000, 870,000 actual employment went all the way up to 2020 at around 1,050,000, right? COVID happens. Guess what? I don't need child care industry. Why? Because I'm doing it myself. I'm staying home. I'm not working, right? right. So it dropped from a million fifty thousand to six hundred and eighty thousand. Okay. Almost every industry is fully recovered, including restaurants and hospitality. The only one that isn't is child care. And look at this year. Look how many jobs are like fewer than it was four years ago, three years ago. A hundred and fifty-four thousand fewer jobs. Are you noticing yourself? a dramatic increase in parents that just simply have given up on the educational system and they're doing homeschooling? Yeah, I actually saw you talking about this in an interview and you were saying, you know, parents were like, oh, this isn't as hard as I thought. I think parents were very intimidated, but the public education system or education in general wanted you to be intimidated. They use a lot of acronyms. They do not invite parents in as partners. They don't want you to know what your kids are being taught. Public schools would just like you to stay out of the work that they do. Just let them handle it, right? Well, they're not doing a good job. But I think for a lot of parents... The idea of homeschooling and being responsible for their kids' education was a little intimidating. And then COVID happened, and they're watching their kids on the Zoom, and they're saying, oh, my gosh, I thought my kid was doing better, right? They were getting A's, and they're not really doing that well, I'm concerned. Or I can't believe this toxic curriculum that my kids are being taught um, or that my child isn't ever reading a whole book or just experts, excerpts of books. Just to be clear, kids are not reading chapter books in public school anymore. They're reading little excerpts from, from books and then being asked about context. It's very, very concerning. And so you're right. Then parents said, okay, maybe I should try homeschooling. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I certainly can do better than this. And so I, I think a lot of parents, you're right, are taking a step back and, and really assessing, you know, what are we spending money on? Where can we cut back? And can we, you know, take part in our kids' education and homeschool? And yeah, a ton of them are. It, just in New York City, in, in um, District 2, they had an enrollment of 70,000 students. They're down to 40,000 Get now. out of here. No, the kids, I mean. And how long from uh, 70 to 40? Uh, I don't have the exact number. Is it number four years? years? Is it yeah, like, oh, okay, it, oh, yeah. It's, 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 so it's, it's not like 20 years. No, 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 no. Okay. It's dramatically dropped within the last, you know, five years or something. I mean, it, it is, there is a huge movement of parents that are really questioning where, you know, what are my children getting out of education and do I like it? Now, here's what public education wants, 
a couple of things, right? So you have the, the schools close and uh, you have the union saying, we need more money. I want to be very clear with you. We do not have a funding problem in American education. We have a priorities problem in American education. We need to get back to the basics and stop paying consultants like Ibram X. Kendi $25,000 to do a professional development talk for 40 minutes. That happened. Charlotte Mecklenburg, you know how, many, how much money that guy has made off of this public guy? schools? Uh, the anti-racist guy. No. Yeah, yeah. This guy. That guy. Who yeah. paid him $25,000? Charlotte Mecklenburg Public Schools, $25,000 for a $40,000 40 minute, excuse me, Zoom talk. Zoom. Not even in person. That's quite the grift he's got going, don't you think? I mean, listen, <laughs> if, they're, if they're paying this guy that kind of money to do what? How to be a young anti-racist. Right. Wow, what an uplifting book. Yeah, it's lovely. But so, so again, we need to get back to the basics in, in American public schools. It's not a money issue that we have. It's a priorities issue. And that's very important for people to understand. We'll spend over $840 billion on public education this year in federal and local dollars. What does, what do, what does the union fear the most? For example, I'm on uh, Pierce Morgan. He asks me, what does Iran fear the most? And I said, Iran, the, the Hezbollahs, the guys at the top, the Khamenei's, they fear women, they fear kids, they fear sanctions. Because if they have a bad economy, they don't know what to do with that, right? So those are three things they fear. What does the union fear? The union fears parents. The union fears parents getting involved, running for school board and seeing behind the education curtain, asking real questions about transparency and accountability. Because the truth is that your kid might be getting an A, but do you know what that A means? You don't, right? You're looking at a a report card. Is your child actually learning how to read? Well, maybe they can read the back of a cereal box, but can they open up Call of the Wild? Can they actually read a book? Can they understand and comprehend what that book says and analyze it? No. The answer is no. I I challenge every parent, get a chapter book. Um, Go online and look up quality chapter books for a child that is your children's age and get it and sit down with your child and have them read out loud to you. I'm telling you, you're going to be shocked. I'll be honest with you, Patrick, even, even me. During COVID, when I I took a step back and I wanted to help my children and really see where they were as far as learning, I I gave my son the book, The Call of the Wild, and we sat down to read it together. And I was really disappointed in his ability to be able to engage with that book. And I realized that I had a lot of work to do. So we talk a lot about parental rights. I think it's also important to talk about parental responsibilities. But the public education system, as I said, wants you out. I'd like to tell you, if I could, about community schools. Can, you, can we go a little bit deeper in this? Yeah, Let's stay on this. Like a, I'm going to make a note. We'll go to community schools. So what does union? What do unions fear? So number one, parents. What else? What else do they fear? They fear losing control of school boards. How, but how would they lose? If more parents ran, they lose control of uh, the boards. How many boards do they not have? Like out of how many total boards do they have? How many do they not have control over? Yeah, so there's about 13,000 school districts across the United States of America. I would say that they probably have the control of... <sighs> at least 90% of them. Oh, that makes sense. And so, you know, those are the people that bargain with the the union, right? Yeah. I saw a number the other day that uh, for every English teacher in public school, uh, out of every dollar they give to a political party, 98% of it goes to the Democratic Party. I think science was 97%. Uh, the only one that was somewhat reasonable was uh, math was 87, 13, 87 went to Dems, uh, 13%, which makes sense to have the 90% here. Okay. So one is parents, two is losing control of boards. Looks like they got a monopoly with the school boards. What else? 
they need the government to continue to expand their influence. And, and that's really, if, I can give you a very uh, specific example, which is the CDC. Uh, the CDC is very important to the unions right now. When Randy Weingarten was called before Congress, before the House, to speak about learning loss, she said, we need community schools. We need to take care of what they call the whole child. So there's a program called the whole, chi- whole school, whole child, whole community model. It's called WISC. Everybody should go look it up. What they want to do is put health clinics into schools. Uh, they want to put washers and dryers into schools. Whirlpool has a whole program where they're putting wa- washers. Oh, yes, that is it. Absolutely. And so they want this. They want schools to be a community hub. The education public calls uh, for greater alignment that includes integration and collaboration between educational leaders and health sectors to improve each child's cognitive, physical and social, emotional development, public health and uh, education serve the same children, often the same settings. The whole uh, uh, WISC uh, model focus on the child to align common goals of both sectors into a whole child approach to education. You see, it says the whole school, whole community, whole child, or WISC model is CDC's framework mm. for addressing health in schools. And they will have medical clinics in schools. You talked about NGOs and, and partners coming in. They'll That's invite a scary community. thought. Oh, it's happening. They have a goal of 25000 by 2025. Randy Weingarten and the NEA, they are pushing very hard for Where this. are they at right now? Uh, I don't know exactly the, the number where they are right now. Um, it's, it's happening all over the country, and there is no amount of money no amount of money that will ever fill the need if schools are going to raise other people's children. And you just think about the disengagement of the parent, right? So they're lowering the ages of informed consent down to 12 in many states. And now you're going to have medical clinics in schools and children will be able to give consent for their own medical care. Wow. Yeah. So, so, so already, if, I, if I'm a kid, I'm confused because I saw that guy on TikTok I'm like, maybe I'm trans. Maybe I'm going through this. And then I go to my teacher and I say, I'm going through this, but I don't want my parents to know because I don't want them to do this, 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 and that. And I'm living in a district or state that I don't necessarily have to disclose it to the parents. I can automatically choose to go through the procedure without revealing to the parents because I have this this on the campus? Yep. Yes. Oh, yes. And, and Planned Who knows Parenthood, about this? Who knows about this? Not enough people, but we have been screaming from the rooftops. Rob, go a little bit higher because you got the 10 components. I want to see the other two. No, no, right there, right there where you were at. Go lower. It says 10 components. You had, yeah, okay. Physical education, physical activity, nutrition, environment, services, health, education, social and emotional climate, physical environment, health services. So depends on what health services is, right? What falls mm-hmm. under health services. Counseling and psychological and social services. That's a scary. Did you see uh, Dr. Phil on Joe I Rogan? I did. Did you see what he said? He I said did. He, he said can you play this clip? Please. I, uh, if you don't have it, I can find it for you. It's a two-minute clip. I put it on the Moms for Liberty uh, Twitter feed, and I quoted him. Yeah, this is fantastic, Rob, if you can find it. It's two minutes and something. Two minutes and uh, just go to Moms for Liberty account and you should see it. Go up uh, a little bit more. Maybe go to videos. They're right there. That's the one. Yep. America's not far behind that because I've, I've talked to a lot of teachers and they're telling me that they have a duty to the children that if the child is not ready to talk to their parents about this, that it's okay for them to keep a secret from the child. Now, let me tell you what my problems with this are and see what you think. Um, first off, if this is either a psychological phenomenon or a medical phenomenon, and the teachers are not trained in either psychology or medicine, mm-hmm. 
they're not any more trained to deal with that than they are to take out the kid's spleen in the homeroom. So if that's true, if it's a psychological thing, if it's if it's gender dysphoria or it's a it's a medical uh, issue, then you need someone trained in child psychology, psychiatry or medicine. And the teacher's not trained in any of those three things. Like I say, they're not any more trained in that than they are to take out the child's spleen. So how are they qualified to deal with that? Secondly, it's teaching the child to keep a secret from their parents. It's teaching deception and interfering between the child's relationship with the parent. Now, their issue with their their justification for that is, well, if the child goes home and announces this, or if we tell it to the parent, then the child could get abused. The child could get judged. The child could get kicked to the curb. Uh, But they have to admit statistically that that is very rare. And if that's the case, that's what we have child Department of Child and Family Services for. That's what we have Child Protective Services for. If that's the case, then you call in for some intervention if the child is being abused at home for whatever reason. Uh, then you, you so, get inter- so now WISC is able to put CD through CDC on schools, and they want to go, what, 25,000 by 2025? Oh, yeah, and they're just getting started. <laughs> okay, so you're not inspiring me. I'm I mean, sorry. No, no, what I'm saying to you is, and, and the, the, from the place I'm going to is the following. So if, if these guys are being funded by the government, yep. okay, what can a, a liberal uh, and a left uh, president is going to support this? Because historically, that's what's going to happen. What can really a conservative president do against this? A fight back again. Get the CDC out of our public schools across the country. But they're going to come back under a liberal president. So you know what I'm saying? Okay, so you do it within four years. Great. Then what? I'm interested in long term. So when, when, when I'm doing financial planning with a client, I did this for 20 years. We sit there and we look at three buckets. Short term, it's zero to 12 months. Events that are going to happen, zero to 12 months. Bills, expenses, da-da-da. Okay, great. School. So you need, you know, six to 12 months of your expenses set aside. Then you have midterm, one year to 10 years. Okay. What can we do midterm? Well, my daughter's 26. She's probably going to be, you know, getting married. So we have to pay for it because in all culture, we got to say, you know, okay, my son's going through college with $200,000. So that's midterm, one to 10 years. Then long term is 10 to 40 years. What's going to happen 10 or 40 years? Retirement, blah, 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 da, da, da. Parents may pass away. We have to be ready for this. So each is a different way of thinking. Short term, I get it. My interest purely is long term. I'm not interested short term. My interest is long term because my kids are young and one day they're going to have to do this with their kids. A, even a Republican president in the office for four to eight years, maybe they can fight against it a little bit. Maybe they can prevent a li- little bit. But this model is coming here to a city near you, no? Um, yes, they are. Yes, absolutely, 100%. They, they want to bring community partners into all of the schools. Like, think about Planned Parenthood. It's like having Planned Parenthood at every single school across the United States. Okay, so now what would happen if, by the way, that's scary. I don't want to go through what you just said right there. So imagine uh, uh, visually, let's just kind of put this in place. Okay, uh, I need a morning after pill. I went through this, and I don't want to tell my parents. No problem. Go on school right there. Go to see Dr. Jones. Oh, it's okay, honey. We all make mistakes. Here's use this, and da 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 that's it on campus. 100%. So Planned Parenthood on campus, and they'll spin it as something else, but that's what's available to them. You want to get an abortion, you don't want your parents to know, don't worry, we're all gone through this, you're doing the right thing. Here you go. You don't need to tell your parents, we'll take care of it, come through here. Taxpayers are paying for it, we don't even know about it. That's kind of what you're saying, Planned Parenthood within the schools that they're putting together. Correct. Fantastic. So if that's what they're doing, and that's where they're going to go, 
And I'm asking the question from you on what hurts them. You said parents. You said uh, being on boards, which out of the 13,000, 12,000, they control anyway. So they control over 90%. We're working on that. I know you are, but you got 12,000 out of 13,000. And then the last one was, um, uh, 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 you know, what was the last one you said? So one was uh, um, parents, you know, board, and then there was one other one. But the, the direction where I'm going with this is if we know this is going to be happening, what do they fear even more? Do they fear homeschooling? Do they fear kids stepping out? Do they fear any of that stuff? What would happen if all of a sudden there is a mass exodus? So for the longest time, I've been, Rob, how long have I been talking about? Let's shut down the border for two years. How long have I been saying this? Since the border crisis started. It's so what would you say? You think I've been saying this for about a year? Yeah. Okay. So I've been saying that for about a year, right? Now I'm hearing some other people saying, let's shut it down for two years, three years, five years. I think we shut down the border for 20, two years, not 22 years, two years. And let's see what happens. We're going to the border ourselves. We're putting a whole crew together. We're going to go yeah. in the next couple of weeks and do a podcast from the border is what we're going to be doing. So, but what if parents go on a one-year strike? What if half of America goes on a one-year strike? And they say, guess what, public schools? What? We're not going. What do you mean you're not going? We're just not going. And what if, if you really want to do something about this, Tiffany, at the highest level, what if the 120,000 members that you have, that's a lot. What if we put a curriculum together to train all of them and bring a level of confidence in homeschooling and choose out of these 1,200, 120,000 members that we have, that you have, Moms for Liberty, and... Give them the confidence to say, guys, we can do this together for one year. Let's let them feel the pain. What if that number now is 12 million kids, okay, that we can have not go to public schools anymore? Let's take one year off. Will the cities, the states, the the country feel the pain if 12 million kids are not going to public schools for one year? First of all, they are flooding the country with new students. So uh, for the students that are leaving, there are new students that are coming in and now are becoming a part of the schools. Um, And often these kids can't uh, read or write in English. And so just to be clear now, if you're a math teacher, you're now teaching English as well. So um, the, the, the idea of that Listen, Patrick, yeah, it would. It would make a difference. It absolutely would. And I've heard you talk about this a little bit. The, uh, the thing I want to talk to you about, though, is that we've got a lot of single moms who are members of our organization. And school choice is continuing. There are more and more options, and, and there's more and more states that are passing laws that are you know, saying the money follows the child and parents can make decisions for their kids. But, Patrick, the truth of the matter is that during COVID, there were moms who didn't have a choice. They had to go to school. They had to go to work and they couldn't stay home and homeschool. You know how many moms I talked to that would love to be able to stay home and homeschool and can't. They have to send their kids to school and there aren't other options around them. The, one of the things that we can do. How many? That, uh, how many fall in that category? A lot. Give me a percentage out of the 120,000. Oh, a percentage of the 120,000. Um, 10%? Yeah, I would say there's okay, so let's 10%. Say t- so 12,000 of them fall in that category. So them... Let's find a different alternative for them to go to public schools, okay, for them. Have them go to public school. My only interest is long-term. My no, interest I, is not short-term. I understand short-term. that. I'm not interested in so short-term So can solutions. I talk about long-term solutions? Sure, too? go for So it. The, the taking back the schools, reclaiming and reforming the schools is a very intentional 
choice that Tina and I made because uh, our in- the institution of education, our country in general, general, we didn't lose it in the past four years. They've been working for how long now? I know because right? they're long-term thinkers they and are we're long-term short-term thinkers. thinkers well, now. but but we have to start somewhere. Um, the, the local elections are incredibly important. So you have the United States Department of Education, the federal government. We need the federal government out of state education as much as possible. Who's going to let you do that? Are you kidding me? It's their biggest voting block. Good luck. You think they're going to give their unicorn up? <laughs> really? Not without a fight. You think they would? What fight, though? I mean, you got to you got to think about the who who is a bigger funder to an institution than the U.S. government? Are you kidding me? Like even the average we the people doesn't compare to the U.S. government being funded because they're taking money from the we the people, and we don't have a choice on the taxation without representation. So they have a monopoly. So when you're dealing with a monopoly, there needs to be real pain being felt because what they'll look at, they're like, ah, you know what you feel like, Moms of Liberty? What? You're like a little pebble I have on my shoe. Stop it. Knock it off. Whatever. If I have to deal with a little I will. They need to be like, holy shit, what was this all about? No, we're going to feel this. Because when that happens, when the messaging becomes about a Andrew Cuomo, Chris Cuomo's uh, brother, saying, listen, AOC, what are you talking about? Let Jeff Bezos come here. Bring in 15,000 jobs at $150,000, your 25,000 jobs at $150,000, your salary. We want them to come to New York. No, we don't want them to come to New York because if they come to New York, they're going to raise the lifestyle of the average. It's like, did you realize we just lost this to a different state, right? So, so then common sense of Andrew Cuomo, Cuomo, one of the most historic last names on the liberal side with Mario himself, his brother. They're now saying, guys, this doesn't make sense. Hello, this is a bad idea, right? So if, if you all of a sudden get that kind of a pressure to say one year, let's go for one year. We can do one year. Why can't we do one year? Why can't we get a, a, a rally cry right now between now and the end of the year, this year, school year, and we find there is an absolute way to do this? I think if more parents knew about this kind of a push, I think there would be bigger funding nationwide from real people that would bring real money. And some of those people may even want to teach. Some of them may want to volunteer. Like, I wouldn't mind volunteering to teach three times a week to students. I swear to God, I I'd would I'd love teach. for my kids to be in your class. But, but hear me out. I would teach an entrepreneur class believe it. to 10, 12-year-old kids, and I'll be the professor. Yeah. I would do it. And let's do homeschooling. Let's take kids out of school with public school. Let's get them to feel it. And by the way, I'm willing to bet I can get other friends of mine that are also ballsy and have audacity that are willing to do this to say, I'll also be a professor. So now imagine we got successful businessmen and women who actually believe in what we're doing here. Now they're choosing to become professors, and now they're choosing to become teachers. Now the teachers are like, holy shit, how do I compete against this guy? How do I compete against her? They're inspirational. I'm not inspirational. I'm bitching about them. I'm dividing them. I can't do this anymore. Okay, we're willing to negotiate. Really? You want to negotiate? Yeah, number one. Boom. That NEA, that whole board you guys got, that whole union you got, you got to get rid of it. If you don't get rid of it, we're not coming back in. Then we can negotiate. But this taps some negotiation. I think I think this type of negotiation that you're going through, unless if you have the backing of a Coke, of a Rothschild, of a, and the reason why I'm giving these names is because of a Musk that says, I'm willing to put $3 billion on this, let's go. But, you know, I, unless you have that kind of money to do that, even if that kind of money was being invested, unless if it's something that's a long-term solution that's going to disrupt, because today with AI, 
Do you know what we can do with AI today? Do you know what we can do with AI today? Do you know today with AI, we have the, have you seen what uh, Sam Altman just showed on uh, what happened? Uh, have you seen the videos of Sam Altman that showing the fact that, hey, a man, can you pull up that one video? I want somebody to walk in the streets of Japan while it's snowing. And ChatGBT just designs it, right? This is not a real video. This is a fake video that ChatGPT created. Go a little lower, Rob, to show the other. That got 92 million views. I want Mammoth running towards the camera while it's snowing in the mountains. Go to the next one here, Rob. I want a man with a, you know, featuring movie trailer of 30-year-old space wearing a red wool, whatever, whatever. Okay, so watch this. What if we use AI for Moms of Liberty and we raise $20 million? We bring 30... Uh, $300,000 tech leads, engineers, okay? And we bring them in and we say, hey, build us a, 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 a private school with professors teaching courses based on real history, and we don't care what these teachers look like. And then with your AI, pre- create a test that parents can use, make it as easy as possible where a mother can do, let's create an incentive program. Can you put these together? And we want 80 teachers, okay? And these teachers are not real-life teachers. They're AI bots, but they look like teachers, and they can be whatever color you want it to be, but they're teaching the same thing. I want my teachers to be white. No problem. I want my teachers to be a Muslim wearing a hijab. That's No problem. I want my teachers to be this. Great. Now if we use AI to fight against our public schools, they're going to be shivering. So I'm so excited to hear you talk about this. I have been. I, I would love to learn more about Elon Musk School. He has a synthesis school, and I, I've actually tried to message him online to, to learn more about it. But the fact that people like you and Elon Musk and other people are talking about education and innovation in education is exactly what we need to have happen. And it's what hasn't happened, Patrick. People haven't cared enough about education and making this innovation happen. But we're finally getting to yeah. a point where we are. But the, the thing I, I do want to tell you about Moms for Liberty is the, the endorsement at the school board level, local control is important, Patrick. So yes, you say that you could be a teacher in, in, a, in a homeschooling or a pod environment. That's awesome. But you could also run for school board. People, real people in their lives who have jobs, who are successful for business sure. people need to get out there and run for yeah. local office. For sure. For sure. So remember, three buckets, yes, short term, midterm, long term. Yep. Short term, run for board. Yes. Yep. Go and pose. Go do your part. But I'm only interested in long term. I'm telling you, my only interest in, in building a better society is long-term thinking, and we have advanced AI and technology on our side to be able to do this, and we have to come to a realization that just maybe, just maybe, we no longer need public schools. And if they realize we don't need public schools, do you know what they're going to do? Do you know how they go to sleep at night? Because these teachers are going to be like, for example, the the, uh, 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 the the jobs. Can you pull up the AI thing, Rob, on who's being replaced the most? And have you seen this thing? Yeah, here? Yeah, Did you see that? Yeah. The the report on you know uh, uh, men versus women, and then uh, uh, what uh, uh, level of education? We had this yesterday, Rob. That he texted it to you. You have it on the text that you have. If you just want to pull it up, you saved it from yesterday. Uh, uh, it's right there. I'm, I'm going to put the. I'm going to put the thumbs up on it so you can see it. It's going to come up to your text. Just pull that up. You have it from yesterday. You see it? Watch this. So when you see what AI is disrupting, okay, it, what AI is disrupting, you'll see this chart. Uh, I texted it to you. Just pull it up from your text, Rob. Yeah. If you, if you see what is disrupting, it shows a, a, a level of jobs, 17% men, 
21% women, okay? Women will be affected by AI more than men will, okay? Mm -hmm. Why, though? Because women are nowadays more educated with more degrees. Men will do construction, certain jobs that women are not willing to do. They're not going to be affected by it. Look at the nationalities. White, you got 20%. Blacks, 15%. Hispanics, least. Asians, the most. Asians are the most educated. Then you have the rest. Now, look at the last one here. Less than high school, 3% will be affected by it. They're not going to be affected by it. And if you look at high school diploma, 12%. Some college, 19%. Bachelors, 27% of Americans with a bachelor degree are going to be affected by AI. So what do most school teachers have in common? They all follow the whatever they told them to do. Go to school, go be a teacher, you get benefits, you get tenure, you get da-da-da-da-da, you get the nice 457 or whatever TSA tax shelter annuity that they can pay for their retirement. Now they're going to sit there and say, man, I can't defend the NEA anymore because you guys are costing me my bills, my job. Exactly. Now you'll realize you guys forced capitalists and entrepreneurs to innovate and expose right. you and get rid of the public school system. Now what do you want to say, politicians? Now they're scared. That's a long-term solution. And, and I'm willing to bet if your messaging for Moms of Liberty was presented in a short-term, mid-term, long-term, you would get the attention of the guys that are more the long-term guys. Uh, Musk is not worried about the next year. Musk is worried about 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Sure. Those visionaries want to know that the plan is also there for long-term. So what if Moms of Liberty puts a plan together? Here's our short-term plan. Here's our mid-term plan. Here's our long-term plan. And long-term plan is what? To not rely at all on the public school system. That may be bold, that may not align with what you're thinking, but I tell you, a guy like me, that excites me because it's doable. In my mind, what we just talked about right now, the last eight minutes, 10 minutes, is not something that's uh, unreasonable, impossible, and I can, it can actually, actually inspire people to say, I'll take my kids out of school for one year. I guarantee you, I, I guarantee you, rally cry, we can get a lot of people to not take public schools in 24, 25 and take one year off. Well, and, and we need to, to be honest with you, because what's happening in the schools, we haven't really talked about social emotional learning. Um, what's happening in the schools is that the children are being programmed in the schools. Um, and, and, you know, when you've got schools telling kids to lean into their discomfort, right? If you're, a, you've got little kids. So when I had little kids, I would tell my kids, you know, trust yourself. If you, if there's something that bothers you, or you think there's something wrong about a situation, you need to trust yourself. You get that funny feeling in your stomach, right? Social emotional learning in the classroom is driving a wedge between the parent and the child and telling a child that if they feel uncomfortable, that it's their problem and they need to change that for the comfort of other people in the classroom. And so what you're talking about is incredible important because we have a school system that is, again, teaching kids that America is a, is a flawed country, a broken country, and that maybe they're not safe at home. And there's no future in that. Yeah. Well, I believe America is the greatest country in the world. I believe the future looks bright. And I believe the people that have the audacity, the resources, and the, the missing a few screws community that would be willing to fight against this union, I think they're out there. I think that community can be waken up and tapped into because that community is interested in long-term solutions. Uh, all the other stuff is great. We need to do it. Of course, blocking and tackling and all this stuff. Yeah, we have to do all that stuff. Uh, but, but I don't think these guys are going to get any weaker until somebody's willing to finally stand up to them and for them to realize, oh, shit. You mean to tell me you would be willing to do this? Yes. Guys, this is bad news.
And what if we go one year and the first year, the amount of people that maybe take uh, whatever off to go to school, let's just say we get a million kids to take one year off from going to public school. What if a year later we learn stuff? What if we're like, guys, we ain't never going back to public school. And then year two is 3.8 million. Year three is 6.9 million. Year four is 11 million. Year five, now they're coming begging, saying, what can we do? And we say, you have to get rid of the union, put it in the Constitution that you will never, ever have a union and teachers can get fired, okay? No more tenure. You can get fired. You know, there's an article that came out saying Gen Z found a hack against whatever the new setup is. And you know what their hack is? Work for the government because you will never get fired. That's right. Right? Go work for the government. Gen Z has discovered... Uh, 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 has discovered a new hack, which is work for the government. Well, just give me the tell right there. Gen Z has discovered the ultimate anti-layoff hack. Work for the government, right? What if all of a sudden these guys realize, oh, shit, I could get fired. You could. You could, Mr. and Mrs. Teacher. We appreciate your service, but you could get fired if you suck. If you're going out there telling, I saw one of the videos you guys posted on Moms for Liberty where the teacher is saying, listen, the moment I realize my parents are idiots. Guys, your parents are idiots. You're smarter than your parents. A teacher is saying that to kids? Yeah. Yeah, you're dividing. You're putting a wedge between parents and kids. Can we talk about that for a second? Go for it. Can you play the clip? Just pull up the clip while you're while you're talking about it. He'll find. Yeah. I'll find the clip and I'll take the it. The wedge between the parent and yeah. the child. It, this happens in Florida. This, there are court cases all over. For, I want to say. I want to give a shout out to public interest law firms across the country. Conservative law firms like Southeastern Legal Foundation or Institute for Free Speech or um, ADF Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, Goldwater Institute. Uh, these are amazing groups that are doing. If you're giving money to these groups, God bless you because they are doing amazing work standing up for our rights across the country. But in schools. Across America, private conversations are happening between teachers and students behind closed doors where kids are making decisions about what name do they want to use at school? What name? Teachers are saying, what name would you like us to use when we call your parents and talk about you? What? In Florida, in Leon County, Florida, this happened to a mom, January Littlejohn, that her daughter was was told, what sex would you like to sleep with? behind closed doors, and when you go on field trips. I mean, honestly, these private conversations happening in schools. And when, you know... No problem. Well, and and here's the thing. I remember when I was 12, I I wanted... I said I was going to be a vegetarian. It lasted for about six months. Mm -hmm. But I told all my friends, I told everybody, right? I'm going to be a vegetarian. I don't eat meat anymore. And I remember when I decided I wasn't going to be a vegetarian anymore that I felt embarrassed to tell people, Mm -hmm. right? Now, imagine you're 12 years old and you've told everyone at your school that you thought you were a boy. Yeah. How hard is it as a kid, right, after you've been loved and told how amazing you are? And that's what schools are are setting kids up for, this path that they can't get away from, that they feel locked into. And if you get put into a social transition program at a school, your chances of going down the path of medical transition are are incredibly increased. And so schools are are completely violating parental rights right now. And so I understand your short-term, long-term. The short-term issue that we have right now is that government schools think they know better than parents for their children. And we have to stand up and fight. So there are court cases happening all over the United States of America right now fighting back against this nonsense. And we're going to see how it turns out. But, you know, uh, there's something called the Family Rights and Responsibilities Act that Senator Tim Scott just introduced into the Senate. um, That is a very important bill that will help us to address uh, fundamental parental rights in our federal court system. Very important bill. 
Would Republicans be upset if we took uh, a million, 10 million kids out of public school and parents voluntarily chose to do it? Would Republican, would the establishment be upset? I don't care. No, okay. So, (laughs) but but the reason why I'm asking is, I'm asking because I I really don't give a shit. All I'm saying is from their standpoint, what would their argument be against it? Are they going to come out and say, well, we can't do this because we need the right leverage to negotiate and all this other stuff. I think, I think, uh, um, yeah, I think, um, oh my God, we can put a team of Avengers together for this. We can put a team of Avengers together for this. Rob, go on and play this clip. Look at this, parents. How do you feel about your kids going to school and teachers telling your kids something like this? Go ahead. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to lie. If you ask me a legit question, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it either. Because y'all need to hear the truth. Hey, I'm upset to agree. You have have opinions. I'm also just disappointed. You don't have to be, though. That's the thing. Most of y'all parents are dumber than you. I'm going to say that out loud. My parents are freaking dumb. Okay? And the minute I figured that out, the world opens up. You don't have to do everything your parents say, and you don't have to believe everything your parents believe. Because most likely you're smarter than them. What's the likelihood that this lady's got kids? Pause it, Rob. What's the likelihood this lady's got kids? I'd love to know if she's got kids. Randy Weingarten doesn't have kids, I'll tell you that. Doesn't? Nope. <laughs> that's why that's why I see the question earlier, what's the trend? Is there a trend of some of these decision makers that have kids and don't have kids? Yeah, they want our kids. They don't need to have their kids. They're just going to try to take ours. Good luck. Yeah, that's what I say. Good, Good luck. luck. Because because they're, they're look, look, I mean, you know, there, there's different kind of guys that, that fight in school. There's guys that fight that just pick fights, right? Yeah. And they're the bullies. No problem. Then there's guys that, you know, uh, will, will fight to not get bullied. Fine. Then there's the guys that just fight to correct an injustice. You don't want to wake those guys up. Well, the, I'm looking at your book, yeah, Choose Your Enemies Wisely. What I would say to the unions is this. Yeah. They picked the wrong enemy because nobody is going to fight for anything like a mom and a dad is no. going to fight for their kids. No way. No problem. Let's nobody. have some fun. Let's have some fun and see what happens. Deal. Let's have some fun and see what takes place with this. Uh, appreciate you for coming out, gang. Once again, if this inspired you, do us a favor. This is not our website. This is theirs. Go order a shirt and a hat. Go order it. And we're in school tomorrow. Go ahead and support them. Uh, can you show one more time what store, what items they got? If it's not this, get a coffee mug if you drink coffee. And go to work tomorrow and wear, have one of those coffee mugs with you. But whatever you do, support the fight because these guys definitely need the support. And it's not an easy job to do. Like I said earlier, Tiffany, appreciate you for coming out. You're amazing. Thanks. I applaud you. I respect the work you're doing. I think, uh, 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 like I said earlier, multiple times, it's not easy. It is patriotic to do what you're doing, and we need more of you. So thank you for inspiring yourself and Tina to the other 120,000 members. You guys are very important in America. Appreciate you. Thank Take you, care. Sir. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye.